Hey folks, this is a Sit Up Podcast. I'm Leroy Barber and uh, I am in Tampa. We're live in Tampa this week and we're going to bring you a lot of different uh, topics from Tampa. But first we want to get this one out with Mark Charles uh, and the Indigenous Peoples Day March that happened in D.C. So looking for a good week together. Let's begin. Blank paper and pen. Stories to tell. Battles to win. Deep breath and count to ten. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin. Hey folks, welcome to the Sit Up Podcast. And today we are going to be talking with Mark Charles. Mark Charles is an activist, the speaker, a writer. Um, he is Navajo. And Mark Charles was actually at the uh, Indigenous Peoples Day March in DC this past weekend. He was a speaker at the event. And I thought it would be good if we uh, heard from somebody who was there and someone who's native uh, to get perspective on these issues. You know, my, my Facebook feed has blown up, you know, everybody chiming in and having something to say, but I wanna hear from somebody who was there, uh, somebody who uh, will give us a, some insight into things that we have missed. So, so Mark, you know what has been happening. You were actually there and then you saw everything that happened um afterwards and all of the facebook feeds on national you know start us walk us through uh what what was happening that day what you think may have been missed what do you think we need to be tuning into around uh issues around uh the you know native americans and the greater community walk us through a little bit of that Okay, well, thank you, Leroy. Let me first introduce myself. So, Yate, Mark Charles Yenishia, Sinbake Dene Anishle, Doto Higlini Bashish Chain, Sinbake Dene Bashiche, Doto Luchitni Bashinella. For those of you who have not met me, hello, my name is Mark Charles. In the Navajo culture, we always introduce ourselves by our four clans. We're a matrilineal people, and our identities come from our mother's mother. So, my mother's mother is American of Dutch heritage, and so I say Sinbake Dene. Uh, translated, that means I'm from the Wooden Shoe people. My father's mother, my second clan, is Toa Higlini, which is the waters that flow together. My third clan, my mother's father, is also Tsinbake Dene'a. And then my fourth clan, my father's father, is Totochitni, and that's the Bitterwater clan. It's one of the original clans of our people. Um, I'm excited to, to have a chance to talk with you, Leroy, about uh, the Indigenous Peoples March and about what happened both at the march as well as after. And uh, the march was, it was a really beautiful thing. You know, it was, it was planned by indigenous uh, peoples and leaders from all over the world. And it was a gathering hoping to be in the thousands of people who would come together to raise up voice and give some platform to a lot of very pressing needs that indigenous peoples, not just here in the U.S., but all around the globe are facing. Um, and so we gathered that morning at the at the Department of the Interior, and uh, we were we had a time of prayer and ceremony to welcome people in, and then we had some some drumming and some songs and gathered up and prepared for the march, and then we marched, um, leaving around 9:30 to go to the uh, Lincoln Memorial. It's about an hour of a march, and we got there around 10:30. 
And uh, immediately the first thing we did was we, um, the Piscataway people, the, the, the Piscataway is the, is the people who are indigenous to the lands um, around the District of Columbia. These were the people who lived here, they hunted here, they fished here, their ancestors were born here, their ancestors were buried here. These are the people who lived here long before uh, this land was colonized, long before Columbus got lost at sea. And mm -hmm. so the Piscataway people had representatives there who came and welcomed us onto their land, uh -huh. gave us uh -huh. permission to be there, gave us permission to be a part mm -hmm. uh, or to, to, to have this, this event there. And that was a very beautiful thing. And then they opened up, they, they had speakers come in and we began by talking about the historical injustices, which is the doctrine of discovery. We had speakers talking about um, the, the both the ethnic cleansing and the genocide, as well as the, the cultural genocide that's taken place over the past hundred years. And as the day moved on, you know, we were there from mm -hmm. 1030 until almost five, 430 uh -huh. or five, with mm -hmm. people speaking and talking and raising issues, talking about history, talking about contemporary issues. Um, from there was a beautiful presentation by the the missing and murdered indigenous women and girls, uh, which is a report that came out in the last year, raising issues to the hundreds of indigenous women and girls who have gone missing or been murdered here in the U.S. Um, even in the past um, five to seven years, and none of it has been tracked. None of it has been reported. Um, 95% of these women um, that were not even, they're, they're, the fact that they were missing or they were murdered was not even covered by the media. Mm -hmm, and so mm -hmm. there's been a lot of movement to raise this issue up of, hey, there's crisis going on in Indian country. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we had representatives of the water protectors from North Dakota, South Dakota there, um, talking about um, Standing Rock as well as other places where the pipeline has gone. Um, talking about contemporary issues, how the government shutdown is affecting Indian country, whether it's um, by, by uh, affecting Indian health services or other things like that. And it really was a day for this, this platform to, to broadcast, not just to the nation, but to the world, the mm -hmm. issues mm -hmm. facing Native America, facing Indian country, facing indigenous peoples. Right. So this day was set aside to bring uh, some issues that your community, the Native community, Indigenous community, wanted to give some voice to. That was the intent yes. of this day. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I, I was honored to speak. I was one of the, the first speakers of the event. I spoke within the first half hour after we got there. And I talked about the doctrine of discovery. I talked about how this mentality, this in dehumanizing doctrine and this mentality of discovery um, even affected our presidents like Abraham Lincoln, who ethnically cleansed Minnesota, Colorado, and New Mexico of natives to make way for the mm -hmm. Trans-Continental Railway. Mm -hmm. I highlighted the fact that in, in 2005, the doctrine of discovery is referenced by the Supreme Court as a legal precedent for why native tribes cannot have sovereignty over their own lands. Mm -hmm. And that the opinion mm -hmm. in 2005 referencing the doctrine of discovery and denying the United Indian Nation in New York sovereignty mm -hmm. over their mm -hmm. lands. Mm -hmm. The opinion was written by Ruth Bader Ginsburg. You know, and so highlighting when, when 
your land titles are dehumanizing doctrine of discovery, uh-huh. Uh-huh. white supremacy is a bipartisan value. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, man. And, so so n- indigenous folks are gathered. This is a day for you to raise your voices, bring some issues to bear. Uh, and uh, you raise issues around doctrine of discovery and you challenge Abraham Lincoln and Ruth Ginsburg at this event. All right. So, so while standing on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So so you have this scene set. What happened? What like? It, like, wh- how did it get off of those issues onto what we had, what we, what we've been seeing the last few days? Well, so as the event began winding down, and I actually had to leave around three o'clock in the afternoon, so I left before the event was fully over. Um, but as the event began winding down, you know, reports are that there were some—I believe they call themselves Black Israelites. Mm-hmm. Um, which mm-hmm. is very much a fringe group that I believe has been actually classified as a hate group. Um, they began setting up a small protest behind our group and closer to the, the steps of the Lincoln Memorial. And they mm-hmm. began challenging with very hateful and um, very uh, insightful rhetoric anyone who was walking by. Uh-huh. Um, you know, they they were protesting or they were giving voice to a lot of the same injustices that our movement, our march had been raising up, but they were doing it in a very hateful, spiteful, um, antagonistic way that was meant to um, almost provoke violence. Uh-huh. Um, and that, that was very disappointing. Mm-hmm. And then some young men from uh, the, the, the Catholic school, apparently they were meeting around that time um, to catch their buses to go home after a day. They were at the Right for Life march and uh, they were, um, uh, a lot of them were very conservative uh, Christians and um, Many of them were Trump supporters, and so they had on their Make America Great Again caps and everything like that. They began gathering, and there began to be this confrontation verbally between the Black Israelites and the uh, the students. So this, and, uh, so at this point, at this point, oh man, this is working out like a drama, brother. So, so you had. Native folks bringing voice and uh, talking about issues that were important to their communities that they thought needed to be heard. You have a black Israelite group there um, using what people are saying is hate speech, right? And then you have a group of students there for an abortion protest. Those two groups started started, uh, drawing back and forth at one another. And then how does your group started well again so so i wasn't there at this point but i know that the the group the our march began winding things down and um you know began closing things up and uh having some prayer at the end and meanwhile this the the students have and according to even the 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 story told by the students um, you know, they were being confronted by the black Israelites and they responded by going into their school chants and going into their 
their kind of show of strength against what they were being challenged by. And of course, this is only going to exacerbate the situation. Um, and so at one point, one of the students even took off his shirt and they were doing their chants. And there was now this yelling, very, this deep confrontation going on between the Black Israelites and, and the students. Um, and again, this is all happening separate from the Indigenous Peoples March, which is taking place a little further down the steps, mm-hmm. um, a little closer uh-huh. to the reflection pool. Uh-huh. And so it's during that time that an Omaha elder, um, Nathan Phillips, he begins to go up um, into this chaos that's behind our group. And he takes his drum and he mm-hmm. begins to sing a song um, in an attempt to diffuse and de-escalate the tension that is happening right behind us. Mm-hmm. Now, again, the, the challenging thing is, is we have these black Israelites who are giving voice to some of the same injustices that we have been talking about out all day, mm-hmm. but they are doing it using very hateful rhetoric. Mm-hmm. Um, and doing things that are, are just meant to not only cause emotional hurt, but also probably to incite violence. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, but they're, they're raising up some of the same injustices that we've been talking about all day. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And then the students who are there, and many of them are wearing Make America Great Again hats. Mm-hmm. And of course, the entire message coming out of the White House for the past two years has been one of white supremacy and racism and divisiveness um, against people of color. And again, again, remember, we're indigenous people from all over the world, which includes indigenous peoples from South America. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, of course, this whole rhetoric going on about the wall right now and the, the, not only the, the demonizing, but the, the, the dehumanizing of immigrants who are coming over our southern borders and everything's going on. And so again, this is just, this is a, this is a timber box, you know, this is. And so Nathan Phillips goes into this to try and defuse the situation. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, when the, so first, the first videos that came out, which most everybody saw were the videos taken as Nathan's walking up into the crowd of students and um, many of them are, are dancing or chanting. Many of, some of them are parting the way for him to walk through. Others are doing what's, what looks like a tomahawk, you know, movement back and forth. And um, it, it very much is kind of a mob mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but they're parting way for him to move forward until he starts going up the steps. And then one of the students, plants himself white right in front of him and refuses to move. And then that, of course, is the image that goes viral, um, where this young man is standing there with what looks to be a smile on his face, um, standing in front of this elder who is playing his drums, and neither one of them refusing, you know, uh, uh, Nathan Phillips, the elder, refusing to turn around and go back, and the student refusing to move away or let him continue forward. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, that's of course what goes viral and becomes both the mantra of the left of how horrible the students are are treating this elder 
Um, and then it's later that this longer video, it's like an hour and 50 minute video comes out that shows almost the whole time the black Israelites were there and the very hateful rhetoric that they were spewing, how they were antagonizing the students. And then the students responded with their chants and taking off their, sh the one student taking off his shirt and, you know, it, it just escalating the situation. And again, then showing Nathan going into the middle of that. Mm -hmm. um, now Now, so you have a particular thought around this. So this is picked up like, uh, you know, even me, I pick up that image and I, you know, I say, hey, this image right here of a student wearing a uh, Make America Great Again hat up against a native elder. Um, and uh, I, you know, I say, hey, this is this is a this is a disgusting act, you know. It's kind of the way I I set it out there, and uh, and many others, and that becomes kind of the thing that people are talking about. And then, you know, the other video comes out, and that becomes a thing that uh, that people are talking about. But you have you have another take on this. Let, let, well, well, see, and, and that's the challenge because again, I had left before all this happened. So I came home that evening. My kids had been home all day. They were off school. And so I came home and was cooking dinner with them and, and just uh, being with our family that evening. And I start getting a, a bunch of notifications. People are tagging me in tweets and they're, they're, they're tagging me on Facebook and, and they're sharing images of what's been going on throughout the evening. And I, I see it progressing as it begins to hit this kind of fever pitch. And my first response when I, when I, when I first began getting tagged in things and began seeing the, these videos that were circulating and these images of the students is I am so disappointed because this is what happens every single time our community tries to raise issues of importance to us up in front of the nation, mm. which is the nation does not want to talk about these deep, deep systemic issues. Mm. And so it will always deflect. It will always pivot. It will always choose to have something else. And so what I became, began getting deeply frustrated with is even people I know and people who are my friends who were not tweeting or Facebooking or putting anything out about the march and what we were trying to do, we're now jumping on this bandwagon and demonizing these students and, and making that little interaction the entire message of the day. Mm. And oh, that wow. Wow. deeply, deeply frustrated me because, again, these, even a lot of these people were people I know. And so I began actually responding to people and saying, hey, I, I appreciate you giving voice, but let's look at the deeper issues here. You know, mm, let, let's, mm, it, it, it could, because it, let me be honest, it's easy to call for the expulsion of a white student who looks like he's doing something horrible, or it's easy to demonize, you know, these very 
um, hateful rhetoric of the of the black Israelites and to, to make that whole thing the focus than to deal with the fact that we have hundreds of missing and murdered indigenous women and girls that no one knows about. Mm. Or to deal with the fact that our nation celebrates a genocidal ethnic cleansing leader like Abraham Lincoln. Or that even one of the biggest contemporary heroes in American politics today, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, wrote, wrote not just not just gave an opinion, not just, not just voted or not, they don't vote, they ruled. I mean, they all rule. They, the judges all rule, but she didn't just rule with the conservatives on the issue of the doctrine of discovery and denying sovereignty to native tribes. She wrote the opinion. Hmm. So, so Mark, nobody wants to deal with that. And so they, they would rather scream about these students because no one wants to deal with the fact that the injustices against natives to change those injustices would require putting in jeopardy everybody's land title. So what you're saying, and what I hear you saying is we all, we all may have missed it. We all um, may have pushed the issue, pushed the, uh, what we saw uh, instead of what needed to be the real issues, and these issues of um, Native women disappearing, these issues of doctrine of discovery, and issues of um, ethnic cleansing that we need to be talking about and having conversations with the indigenous community, yes. that we miss it, and we yes. miss it every time. We miss it every time. You know, whether it's going back to the apology given you know, initiated by Senator Brownback, a Republican, and signed by President Obama in 2009. And both of them then buried that apology and never brought it to public light. Mm. You know, both mm. of them, when we hosted this reading of this apology in front of the Capitol building three years later, December 19, 2012, I invited Governor Brownback personally in a phone call, and I sent a letter to the White House asking both of these leaders to be here and acknowledge this apology publicly, and both of them declined to show up. Mm. This is what is so unbelievably frustrating, is the nation doesn't want to deal with these things. And so even now, you know, so what I tell you all the time is, you know, after the 2016 election, my job got easier because the majority of the nation, again, President Trump lost the majority vote. A majority of the nation deeply, deeply believed that we have a problem, mm. which is what I've been trying to get people to understand for the whole time. But as we moved into 2017 and 2018 and the midterm elections began coming up, the, the rhetoric out of the left has been the problem is Trump. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And if you vote us back into power, we will fix it. And mm -hmm. I've been using this story about Ruth Bader Ginsburg to say, no, you're not going to fix it. You know, when, when the Democrats had the majority in the House, they didn't fix immigration reform. When the Republicans had the majority in the House and the Senate and the White House, they didn't pass their border wall. Neither group is, I, is interested in fixing any of these problems. They merely want to 
scream at each other back and forth about them because they don't want to deal with the underlying issues. Wow. Well, folks, um, you hear you hear word coming from uh, Mark Charles, uh, a native uh, and indigenous brother in our in our country who uh, is saying perhaps we all. Um, are missing it. Perhaps we are all chasing squirrels, if you will, uh, and getting away from the issue. And perhaps, folks, if there's an apology um, that needs to come from people like me who jump on and, and who want to be activists and who want to who want to raise the flags, um, I don't apologize because I still think that young man, um, what his behavior was disgusting. But perhaps. Perhaps I missed it. Perhaps my apology needs to go towards um, towards our indigenous brothers and sisters for for missing the mark, for taking the conversation away from where it really needs to be. Um, thanks, Mark. Uh, any final words? How can people get in contact with you? What what where do yeah. we start looking? So I I'm online, and you can find me almost anywhere online, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. My website is all wireless Hogan, W-I-R-E-L-E-S-S-H-O-G-A-N.com. I have a book coming out. Hopefully it will be released on Columbus Day of 2019. It's titled Unsettling Truth. It's looking at the doctrine of discovery. My co-author for this book is Sing Chan Ra. It's being published by IVP. It's really trying to raise up the, the depth of the problem we have here in this nation. Um, I actually gave a TEDx talk about a month and a half ago. Um, here in the DC area. And my entire talk was about how in our nation, we the people has never meant all the people. You know, in, in, his, in his final State of the Union, President Obama, he was talking about the need in our nation for new politics because during his administration as well, I mean, he was, he, he was on the receiving end of a lot of things, you know, and they wouldn't allow him to, to nominate a judge and all these different things. And he was talking about the need in our nation for a new politics. And in his final state of the union, he said, we the people, our constitution begins with these three simple words. Words we've come to recognize mean all the people. Now he got a lot of applause for that and people loved that. He, well, some people loved he said that, but when I heard that, I said, I missed it. When, when did our nation decide we the people means all the people? The Declaration of Independence calls mm -hmm. natives savages. Mm -hmm. The Constitution excludes natives, never mentions women, counts Africans as three-fifths of a person. Abraham Lincoln didn't believe we the people meant all the people. The Civil Rights Movement didn't get us there. Donald Trump doesn't believe it. The challenge is, is as a nation, we have never collectively decided that we want to be a place where we the people actually means all the people. And until we make that collective decision, we are never going to know how to deal with our history and with our foundation. I actually did a TEDx talk where I laid that out, and this talk should be available through the TED website, um, hopefully within the next few weeks. I just talked with the organizers today. They're submitting it um, to the TED website to be approved and to get posted on, on their TEDx YouTube channel. Um, and it's 18 minutes of just me going in depth onto this stuff. On my website, I have videos, I have lectures, talking about the doctrine of discovery and the deep systemic problems we have. And I'm really, I'm inviting our nation in. I'm convinced, Leroy, the United States of America needs a national dialogue on race 
gender, and class. A conversation that I would put on par with the truth and reconciliation commissions that took place in South Africa, in Rwanda, and in Canada. I wouldn't call ours reconciliation though because reconciliation implies there was a previous harmony. I would call ours truth and conciliation and I think we need one sooner rather than later. My goal is 2021. I invite well, you, I invite your listeners to join us and this is what we're working towards. All right. Thanks, Mark. We appreciate you coming on and um, appreciate this perspective that uh, perhaps we're all missing, missing the mark and missing the conversation. This is the Sit Up Podcast. I'm Leroy Barber. You can reach us uh, on Facebook at Sit Up Podcast. Uh, you can uh, get me on Facebook at Leroy Barber or on Twitter uh, at Leroy Barber as well. Thanks. This is the Sit Up Podcast. And thanks for, for sitting in today. Thanks, Mark. The past can loom like shadows, keeping us afraid of the dark. Old wounds never die as soon as you wish they would. We're all born into struggle. No matter our skin tone, time zone, no matter the balance of the scale or our bank account, it's true. Life can bruise you. It can seem that nothing leaves a mark like wounds do, but the funny thing about wounds is given time to heal, they make the most beautiful tattoos. Some people call them scars. But in the eyes of the right beholder, they can be art. Love doesn't keep secrets. Love chooses to see. Forgiving and accepting that you've been forgiven can set you free. Let's begin. Blank paper and pen. Stories to tell. Battles to win.